Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Triggering change one heartbeat at a time. Battle for freedom. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Watson Prene from Battle for Freedom on Mojo Five R Radio, and I appreciate every last one of you as we uh, just another day, another day, another opportunity to just thank God for His goodness, His kindness, His grace, His mercy. Uh, it is Wednesday in the Word, and I want to talk to you about Jesus, the servant from the Gospel of Mark. Remember, every Wednesday I get a chance to kind of do the best that I can to demystify the Bible for you by looking at the Word of God. Uh, and help letting you know that this 66-page love letter to you from God is really not as difficult as it may have been lifted up to be before you. Uh, it is 66 books uh, cultivated and created and crafted and written by God through his servants to communicate how much he loves us. Uh, but first of all, he is, he is first among all things. Uh, over a year ago, I saw, you know, actually 13 months ago, I started this process of looking at the different books of the Bible just to encourage people and help them understand how important it is for us to open his word on a daily basis. It has been a great, wonderful journey in doing this. And, you know, one of the tools that I use in this is this book called Talk Through the Bible by Bruce Wilkinson, uh, Kenneth Boa, Bruce Wilkinson and Kenneth Boa. Uh, it gives you a great outline of each book of the Bible, author, date, setting. It gives you a theme and purpose. I probably don't always talk about the theme and purpose, but I'll, I think I'm going to share that a little bit today as we get into the uh, as we get into Wednesday in the Word. And so, this is one of the tools that I use. I hope that one of the tools that you use on a daily basis is American Pride Roasters Coffee. It is historically great coffee uh, with a wide variety of blends. When you go there, you learn about. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, Adams, and so much more, uh, and the different blends that you have. And it'll truly bless you. Historical great coffee, but also the official coffee of Mojo Fiber Radio. American Pride Roasters, share it out with as many people as you possibly can. I also want you to consider looking into New Life Holistic, you know, that biofeedback therapy. You know, sometimes, you know, America wants to just give you drugs after drugs after drugs. It seems like going to a pill is the only solution that most will do. Well, sometimes therapy comes in another way, biofeedback therapy. Why, I don't know if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with just, you know, just trauma, and you just don't know how to do it. You've been over-medicated. Why not consider speaking with Anthony Malchiotti going through uh, the process of getting the biofeedback uh, you know, therapy to maybe tune you back into a, a nice frequency of functioning without a lot of the added stress and complications that life brings about. Contact Anthony Malchiotti. Let him know that Watson from Battle for Freedom sent you. 
Today's Wednesday in the Word. Today's Wednesday in the Word, and we're going to look at the the book of Matthew. No, not Matthew. We did that last week. We're going to do look at the book of Mark. So, when I'm looking looking at Mark, this is the second of the four Gospels that opens up the that opens up the New Testament, and you know this is interesting. This is the opening salvo from. Wilkinson, and I think it's really interesting because I really want to break this down. And there's a lot of power in this one. I see Kathy, uh, who's joined. Thank you for being part of the program. Uh, and many of you, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Mojo 5 Radio and leave a comment there, hoping that you will be able to uh, really enjoy. Now, I don't know what time of the day that you're listening to this. And if you're listening while you're on the road, you could, uh, if you go to facebook.com, well, actually, if you go to mojo50.com for slash schedule, you can see the different shows that are available to you. If it's in the afternoon and you're listening to this, you're probably just finished listening to Mike Phillip from American Neck Radio. But you wouldn't know that if you didn't go if you if you don't go to Facebook if you don't go to mojo50.com for slash schedule to learn a little bit more. The book of Mark. Look at this. Mark. The shortest and simplest of the four gospel gives a crisp and fast-moving account of the life of Christ. With few comments, Mark lets the narrative speak for itself as it tells the story of the servant who is constantly on the move, preaching, healing, teaching, and finally dying for sinful men. A ministry that begins with the masses soon narrows to 12 disciples and finally culminates on the cross. There, the servant who did not come to be served makes the supreme sacrifice of servanthood by giving his life as a ransom for many, and that the pattern of selfless service becomes a model for those who follow in his footsteps. I want to finish that last statement. statement. And that pattern of selfless service becomes the model for those who follow in his footsteps, in the servant's footsteps. You know, when you look at... when. Both talk to the Bible, you know, again, it talks about, you know, the theme and purpose, but the key word for the book of Mark is Jesus, the servant. And this is powerful because of the fact that uh, I think that's there's a difference between servant and there's ministry and there's different things that we do on daily basis. We try and be allowed to allow ourselves to go in and we go and we allow ourselves to participate in ministries. Sometimes they're, uh, you know, not-for-profit ministries where we go and we help, you know, they're the people, you know, you go out, what is it? The, um, uh, not just the Make-A-Wish Foundation, but you, what's the one where they allow you to build the homes for the people? It, it, it could be someone who just gets blessed with this. Whether you're working at the Salvation Army, it doesn't matter. Where when you're volunteering, you know, the, during Thanksgiving, and there's a lot of different ways that we can we can serve people. But I think one of the things that gets screwed up in is we look for these big opportunities to serve, and sometimes those opportunities to serve are as close as being home. And I, I'm telling you that our service, our service doesn't have to be something that has to be televised all the time. Our service isn't something that has to be streamed all the time. Our service isn't something that has to have a selfie all the time. Sometimes that service is just us doing it quietly without anyone knowing exactly what's going on and how we are turning around and being a blessing to other people. We just should just do it. 
but Jesus the servant. This is the passage. This is the passage that's shared by Wilkinson in the scripture that it holds on to. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 45. But, the, but it shall not be so among you, but whoever will be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be the first among you must be slave of all. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, as we sit here and we look at this, hi, Curtis, thank you for being part of the program. And so also Christopher. Habitat for Humanity. Thank you, Christopher. You know, I think that servanthood is a habitat for humanity. It will real humanity, not the sinful, selfish kind, but a real humanity that serves. And I'm telling you that sometimes even that opportunity to serve presents itself at home, presents itself at church. I mean, folks, think about this. One of the things that I had struggled with when I was work, you know, serving in different ministries around Indiana, Indianapolis region, is that often it was only the same faces always serving. It's a it's a constant misnomer. I mean, not misnomer. It's a constant fact that usually twenty percent of the people were doing eighty percent of the work. That number had changed to ten percent of the people doing ninety percent of the work. And now nearing 5% of people doing 100% of the work. In an institution where, you know, we say that we're grateful and we're followers of Christ, we're, we're following the model of servanthood that Christ has done when he, you know, where he, he came and he served us. It's really sad that in the church, we struggle to get participation. Not looking for participation awards, but sometimes that service that we do, we do it in such a manner that we want people to recognize us. We got to go to other countries to serve, and I'm not, I'm not knocking the idea of being a missionary and and going and serving, whether it's in another city, another state, another country, another world. <laughs> sometimes that service is close as right in the church where you attend. Maybe that's the reason why many people don't want to go to church because they know if I'm in the church, I can't just sit in the pews. I need to be active at some level. We make up all the reasons, all the excuses why we can't serve. God's saying, uh, I called you to serve. And what better way to do this instead of sitting in front of the individuals that are there in your church? Open a door, sweep a floor, help, help, help guide kids in ministry. Worship and praise. That's serving. Yes. We need to figure out a way that we can participate in ministry because it's about, I mean, literally, you're going into the house of God to serve one another. It's not, oh, I can't go. I want to go to church. Them just bug me about my business and bug me about money. No, no, no. If that's all you see church church as, I think we may need to reevaluate what faith and servanthood looks like hi brenda and hi sarah thank you for being part of the program but i love this is this whole idea that uh go through the famous verse you know mark ten forty five. here's the other verse that he provides in here 
and calling the crowd to him with his disciple, he said to them, if anyone would come after, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? You know, right now, right now, before we get into this book, this passage, this book, this Bible is being used as a tool, as a weapon. I don't know many of you who watched the book of Eli when the mastermind gets frustrated saying all this over a simple book. And the mastermind screamed and said, it's not a book. It's not just a book. It's a tool. It's a weapon used to control the masses. And many people who who stand in pulpits, stand in churches, stand in ministries, are trying to use this as a weapon to guilt people into taking a vaccine shot, saying if you love your neighbor and the Bible commands you to take a shot. I want to correct that right now. Because sacrifice isn't just one way. Sacrifice is multiple ways. And I think about this whole idea of what does it profit of what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? This idea that you're going to give up your, do you realize that giving up his life, Jesus, the only one who could save us from our sins, do we serve one another to the point that we die? I think that what's really sad is, is that we don't really want to go that far in terms of serving one another. We twist the scripture and we try and make it seem like this scripture is saying that get you know, that there are people who are there are supposedly leaders in the church who are saying that this is the Bible says that you'll lay down your life for your friend and and get the vaccine shot. Um to extend their lives. To extend their lives. So why is one person's life more valuable than the other. Our lives are equally valuable, but there was only one life that truly was sacrificed for the safety of the whole world, for the eternal safety of the whole world. What people are clamoring over right now is temporal stuff. And I think that we could better serve one another if we learn how to serve on the small levels, on the daily levels, which would make us put put a better perspective on life on the grander scale. But some people are being told to go from service from zero to zero to, to zero to zero in a jab. And I think that it's time for a lot of you preachers a lot of you Bible thumpers, a lot of you robed clergy to stop that madness 
because that's not honoring God and that's desecrating the work of what Christ did on the cross. That's desecrating what Christ did on the cross. And it's, re- it's really, really, really sad. Also, it desecrates the mem- memory of those who have gone before us, who have truly given their lives to serve one another. Not on this guilt trip stuff. God's not going to guilt us into service. God will not guilt us into service. We move and we serve God. We serve God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all our mind, all of our strength. We serve one another. We sacrifice for one another because we recognize what Jesus did on the cross for us. Not because we were manipulated into doing so, but out of a spirit of gratitude, we serve one another. And we can we can learn... Folks, I'm not lying to you. Participate, serve in a church that you know is about preaching God's word and not just sounding intellectually powerful from the pulpit, but letting the gospel be even shown through their actions, through their deeds, through their words. Sorry. That is an, um, that is a very interesting concern for me you know theme and purpose section here on the uh, book of Mark even in the first verse it is obvious that the gospel centers on the person and mission of Jesus Christ Mark's theme is captured well in chapter 10 verse 45 because Jesus portrayed is portrayed in this book as a servant and as the redeemer of men you can also see Philippians chapter 5 I mean chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 Like the other Gospels, Mark is not a biography, but a topical narrative. Mark juxtaposes Christ's teaching and works to show how they authenticate each other. Miracles are predominant in this book. There are a total of 18, uh, and and they are used to demonstrate not only the godly power of Christ, but also his compassion. Mark shows his Gentile readers how the Son of God was rejected by his own people, achieving ultimate victory through apparent defeat though there was no doubt an evangelic purpose behind though there was no doubt an evangelistic purpose behind this gospel as mark directed his work to the gentile audience that knew little about old testament theology this book also may have been used to instruct encourage roman believers hi amy thank you for joining and being part of the program mark Mark is just bro- broken down to this whole idea of servanthood. Servanthood, servanthood, servanthood. See, you know, because of the fact that we don't know how to serve, I believe that learning how to serve at home, in church, better prepares us to be better husbands, wives, children, co-workers. Hi, Carolyn. Thank you for being part of part of this program we have to learn how to serve I think many serve many many marriages fall apart because we have this mentality of what is it what am I getting out of this but the scripture is clear husbands and wives serve one another Husbands and wives serve one another. And it's very sad because there is this there's this selfish mentality that even goes into the to the spirit of marriage. 
the husband, he, you know, many, many, and sadly, many Christian men who think that they're just the leader of the household and the wife is a doormat meant to serve him. Carry in the, carry in the groceries, take out the trash, clean the baby, feed the baby, dress the babies, and serve me at the same time. I know you're tired. I know you just got off of work, but I, you're, the word of God tells you you're supposed to submit to me. No, actually, if you go to verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5, it says, submit to one another, serve one another. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 talks about the whole idea of making, serving one another and making their concerns more important than yours. Yes, Kathy, submit has become a dirty word. And Amy gets coffee in bed by her husband. I, that is awesome. He's a really cool dude. I would not do that to my wife because she cannot stand the smell of coffee. <laughs> but I know if she if she could, she'd sit there and she'd bring me a cup of coffee while I tried not to gag. <laughs> the smell of coffee. <laughs> so I won't selfishly ask my wife to go through that experience. I'll just make my own American Pride Roses coffee myself. And sometimes she'll catch you with it. She's like, oh, I love you. <laughs> But there's this aspect where there are husbands who just treat their wives like doormats. Even in the Christian church, even in the body of Christ, that mentality is unfortunately there. Why? Selfishness. Any man who treats his wife as a doormat and looks at her as just a, a, a slave who reports to him, I'm struggling to believe in their Christianity. I'm struggling. I'm struggling because guess what? Christ was king. Christ, no, Christ is God. He's king. He's ruler. He's the Alpha and Omega. And what did he do? He served. He's the one who should have been serving. The angels came came and ministered to him in Matthew chapter four after his temptation. They ministered to him. The women came to tend to his grave after he died. Mary washed his feet with her hair. But what was he doing the whole time? Serving. Serving. So any Christian man who thinks this whole idea of servanthood, whether they're a leader in the church or leader in the world that the people come to him and serve him, I'm 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 do I'm wanting to do a authenticity check. I want a litmus test on your faith. And then you have the wives. Because some of them, the idea, like I said, Kathy, submit has become a dirty word. And they don't want to submit. I'm not your rug mac. I'm woman, hear me roar. That's not a spirit conducive to submitting and honoring Christ. And then what, what's worse is as the children in the family watch the behavior of a non-submitting husband and a non-submitting wife and they follow an example that they bring into their, into their marriage, into their relationships 
that they go to extremes not to replicate or they go to extremes to replicate the behaviors that are before them because selfish people didn't want to submit to Christ. I mean, just looking at the Bible, Christ served. He washed the disciples' feet, smelly feet. That's just not cool. That's just not cool. Some people think that this is only so far I'm going to go. Well, Christ went so far as to die. Does this mean that we all get up on crosses? No. But Christ says to pick up your cross on a daily basis. It's denying one's selfishness. Denying one's selfishness. And I think that we really need to look into the mirror and identify our selfish hearts right now in ways that we never could have imagined. Please, I'm begging you. We're about to go to a break, and when we come back from the break, we're going to start going into the chapters of the book of Mark, uh, the gospel of Mark, because I want us to see Christ. I want to see us to see Christ. And I'm praying that going forth, when people see us, they see Christ. I'm your host, Watson Premier from Battle for Freedom on Mojo Fiber Radio. I'll talk to you on the flip side. A reading from John 1. Supply line interruptions are definitely here to stay especially given the incredible talent we have working at the U.S. Transportation Department. However, you don't need to fear these interruptions. You can be prepared. Go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. This is Defenders Live. Woman uses circular saw to cut off her own hand and attempt to commit a million-dollar insurance fraud. Call her lefty. Is that is that what Willie Nelson is? Willie Jones were singing about? I don't know. Maybe so. Poor lady's piano career is over. I'm terribly stumped about this. I just can't. That's just... I, She's got a pretty mean right hook. I don't know. Can you imagine getting hit by that little stump? Because then if you get tapped on the nose or that little nub, no matter who you are, you're going to be... As the person being hit, you're going to be like, Oh, God! It touched me! It touched my face! Oh, God! You're, you're automatically going to be disarmed because... Disarmed! Unhand that woman! <laughs> Don't say nothing. I can handle this myself. Oh, I'm done. No, we're done. We're done. We're not doing it anymore. No, we can't. You're welcome. I could do this all day. Defenders Live. Weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern. Mojo five zero. After a long, hard night, I am exhausted. I need something that will stimulate me. That's why I start each day with Ron's sexual chocolate. It really gets me off. To work, find the flavor that stimulates you and gets you off to work at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. This is an important reminder. Don't miss this week's exciting shows with Erskine right here. We've got some very special guests and revealing topics this weekend. So make a note, mark your calendar, text yourself. Join me here for Erskine this weekend. You'll hate yourself Monday if you miss us.
Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Watson Prunier from Battle for Freedom and Mojo Fiber Radio. Uh, Wednesday in the Word, we're talking about the Gospel of Mark, uh, Jesus the Servant. You know, hello, Sarah, she's too cute. The feels. Uh, that's just the Word of God. That's just John chapter 1, uh, reading verses 1 through 18. And you know what? Honestly, the Word of God is supposed to touch our hearts. We get the feels of appreciating what God and what Christ has done for us. And, and it manifests itself in how we live, how we're reflective of the word of God. Curtis was talking about the, the selfishness that we deal with. This is talking about the, is the result of the me generation, me, myself, and I, um, I think there was a song in the eighties about that or nineties, me, myself, and I, do, 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 do. Me, myself, and I. Well, you know what? We do that on a daily basis. Parents who don't want to serve their kids or love on their children. Spouses who don't want to serve their spouses. A wide variety. We leave people. We abandon people in their hour. Quick thing about what uh, in the section called Christ in Mark, I just want to share the first a couple of sentences. The Lord is presented as an active, compassionate, and obedient servant who constantly ministers to the physical and spiritual need of others because this is a story of the servant. Mark omits Jesus' ancestry birth and moves right into his public ministry. The distinctive word of this book is euthus, translated immediately or straightway, straight away. And it appears more often in this compact gospel, 42 times than in the rest of the New Testament. Christ is constantly moving forward to a goal that is hidden to most of, almost all. Mark clearly shows the power and authority of this unique servant, identifying him as no less than a son of God. <laughs> this is, <laughs> oh my goodness, Sarah De La Soul. Uh, <laughs> Thank goodness, wow. Oh my goodness. Good job, Daylight Soul. Well, we we're talking about we're talking about the king who came to save our souls. <laughs> and he said, Me, myself, you know, me, Holy Spirit, and God. We're gonna save you. We're gonna save you. And it's 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 powerful as you look at this. You know, I, I'm I'm just gonna get into um chapter one. Uh as you start here looking at this. Because this is powerful. You start looking at, the, uh, like I said, they jump right into it. it. John the Baptist prepares a way. So we're looking at verses 1 of chapter 1 through chapter, I mean, verse 8. And this is the whole idea where it says, you know, uh, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I sent a messenger before your face who will prepare a way, prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight this path. So this is now the presentation of the servant who's showing up on the scene to serve us, you know? And what's really interesting, as as we look at this, you know, as we look at this, it's beautiful because the Bible is kind of like, our John the Baptist, or Jesus is like our John the Baptist, preparing a way for us to serve. See, most of Amer even though most of the world rejects the Bible, they reject God. 
They reject Jesus Christ. It's interesting how they understand that Jesus came to save and die, and they expect the same from us. That many of them understand the tenets of the Christian faith, even though they don't want to abide by it. But when they hold us up to a standard, they hold us up to the standard of Jesus, the servant, willing to die. They look to see whether or not we're going to get rid of that selfishness in ourselves and serve one another. And when we don't, thank you, Grace, for being part of the program. When we don't, when we, when we don't serve, people, even unbelievers are like, you really sure you're a Christian? Because your selfishness it's not really convincing me that you love Jesus. Then we get into the baptism. We get into the baptism, verse 9 through 11. The bat- in those days came from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son with you. I'm well pleased. So we also saw this in Matthew chapter three. But I want you to understand something. For people who reject the Trinity. No, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. The word Bible is not in the word Bible. But it's very interesting that we there are a lot of concepts that we understand from the Bible. Right here. This speaks out against the idea and concept of modalism. Modalism that presents Jesus as one phase. He's like Bruce Wayne. He's Bruce Wayne, mild manner. We're Bruce Wayne. But then when you know the lights go off or the opens up the bookshelves and he goes down comes down the pole in a different outfit, he's Batman, the dark knight. No. Right here, we're looking at this in those days, and, and it says, and when he came up out of the water, who's he talking about? Jesus the servant. So Jesus, one person here. And then he said, and the spirit descending upon him, the Holy Spirit of God descending upon Christ and a voice from heaven saying that you are my beloved son with you. I'm well pleased. Father, son, and Holy Spirit occupying the same space time continuum. It wasn't three different phases of God right there. Here is another scripture passage identifying both Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The, the Hebrew Shema, Hear, O Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. Genesis 1, uh, Genesis one twenty six. let us make men, man in our image. Is a constant, there's a constant level of scripture passages not created to make the ministry of the Trinity. And trust me, I taught the Trinity in Sunday school. It's not easy. It's not an easy concept to grasp how God, one God, can manifest himself in three equally coexistent, co-equal persons. But he's God. And for us to basically reject that he can manifest himself this way, we're limiting who God is. We're limiting God's abilities. The only limit that God will not do, the only self-imposed limit 
that God will not do is contradict himself. I believe it was Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So the only, his only limitation, oh, can God live, create a rock that he can't live, lift? That, that, that's not even a, a question. I mean, honestly, if we if really want to focus on appreciating, loving, and understanding God, understand this one thing. He will never contradict himself. Never. Never. Period. And, and honestly, if we open a Bible and we understand this, he's been serving us since the beginning of creation. He created the perfect atmosphere for humanity to live, for animals to live. He created the, the perfect system and season, the moon and sun to pro- provide light and, and, and shade and, and growth. That even in the middle of the night, the moon would reflect some light so we could move around in the darkness. <laughs> when you get home, you'll realize exactly what I'm talking about there. Hopefully, maybe even in the car. Then we get into this whole idea of the temptation that Christ is uh, tempted. And and it's really interesting because of the fact every last one of us is going to be tempted. Why? Because on the heels of us appreciating what God has done for us, the devil is going to want to steal our joy, steal the disposition that we have to want to glorify God in all things. So there can be a lot of temptations to walk away from ministry. Or there's going to even be a lot of temptations, even in ministry, even in ministry, because we will turn around and make it all about us. So I'll do this quickly. 1998, I received the call to preach and teach the word of God. I believe God was, is call, has called me to preach and teach. He's called us all. Many of us see it as a, even a higher calling to preach and teach and share the word of God. The only problem, though, in 1998 when I was doing this, 1997, 1998, it was me, myself, and I, that Della Soul song. Uh, Curtis, oh, Christopher says uh, there was a song by B.B. Rexa and G. Easy. You know, I believe that UPS was bringing my pulpit in the mail the next day, the next week. It was thus says the Lord and Watson. And many times we see in ministry, sadly, those positions of leadership can go to one's head. Insecurities develop that they wonder daily, is that, are they trying to take my role? Are they trying to take my position? Are they trying to, are they trying to run my church? Well, see, the, the, the mistake is my, my, my. Mine, mine, mine. <laughs> for the, uh, <laughs> for the fighting Nemo <laughs> people. Mine, mine, mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we look a lot like a bunch. We sound a lot like them seagulls in in uh, in Finding Nemo. We're like, might, 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 and that's not the mentality of a servant. <laughs> not my will, but Thy will be done. That is the heart of a servant. <laughs> Um, Jesus begins his ministry, chapter 14, I mean, chapter uh, verse 14 of chapter 1. And I love this because of the fact that as he starts his ministry, 
you know, and what and and I think that it's clearly defined us our role as serving people. See, most people think the moment they become a Christian, oh, I'm supposed to teach the Word of God. Well, you remember when I said that I thought that the the, the UPS was del- delivering my message in the mail, and I, I really appreciate this uh, professor from the Bible College I attended was uh, his. He said. As we were reviewing the missionary journeys of Paul, he said, listen, folks, you preachers, you teachers, you Bible thumpers, you evangelists, every last one of you, I want you to see something here. He said, as we looked at Paul's ministry, Paul served for 15 years before he led ministry. Uh, That hurt me. That That bruised my ego. If I could show you on the doll where I was touched, it was my ego. And I think many of us, that we think that the world revolves around us right after learning that we revolve around God and his love for us shown to us in his word. And we jump into ministry believing that the ministry revolves around us. Let me let you know that that's not a ministry centered on Christ. That's a ministry. That's a debauchery. That's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a, um, a counterfeit surrounded by you. And surrounded by me when we think it's about us more so than it is about Christ. Remember, we are orbiting him, not the world orbiting us. But it's clear when ministry is serve it's servanthood, not being served. He calls his disciples and you know, he heals a man of an unclean spirit. I mean, right, let's think about this. Right into right into serving. Right, this is what this is what Mark is sharing with us. Chapter one, verse twenty-one. Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit, and they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue, in their synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, "What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth?" Have you come to destroy us? I know for you are, I know you who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, What, what is this? A new teaching, a, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all of the surrounding region of Galilee. See, there's a reason this this powerful about this idea, though. Is it the spirit of service? When we are truly operating and walking in the authority of God, when we're we're truly walking, not, not assuming the authority of God, humbling ourselves in the authority of God, when we are humbling ourselves and serving one another, and it's clear that our motives are not centered around us, but centered around God being glorified, not about the number of likes and clicks and retweets and reshares and followers on social media, but that people will truly say, my goodness, the spirit of God is present here present now there's no room for selfishness this is all about his glory i think back to david and goliath you remember when david little ruddy boy little punk scrawny okay 
shepherd boy who wasn't even considered as an option to be a leader and a ruler for Israel. And he hears Goliath. He hears Goliath mocking God, making fun of God. And and there was so much timidity in the army of Israel because they were fearful they were going to lose their lives. But when we give our lives to Christ to for God, for his glory, for his for his glory and his glory alone. Oh, we're not content with the foolishness that happens in this world. We rise up empowered by God for his glory and make no mistake, the enemies quake. The enemies quake at the presence of God in our lives. Did you hear that? The presence of God in our lives. Not the presence of us. Not the presence of some grandeur spirit within us, because again, a lot of people they want they want to they want to turn around and start X. And I've been there. Rambro Jesus used to have a ministry of trying to go out and rebuking demons and all other fallen, evil, wicked spirits. I thought that that was my my mission. I thought that I was the exorcist. No. I thought I was going to go beat down beat down demons and false prophets like the sons of Sceva. No, because the, the sons of Sceva, when you look in the book of Acts, they were sitting there operating in their own strength, not in the spirit, humble spirit and power of God. See, that that's a that's a that's an oxymoron. It's it, it's it, it does. It, it seems like it's a contradiction of terms. But when we are when have you ever listened to a sermon or prepared your way for a sermon and the preacher's up there or the person presenting the gospel message or the person who's sharing insight from the word of God says, make less of me and more of you. That is the power of submitting under the power of God that he may shine through. Matthew chapter five, one of the verses that we had this memorized for this church I attended. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give God, I mean, give glory to the your Father who is in heaven. Uh, um, my buddy Tim and I were talking about this yesterday about a bad term we use. And again, so many cliches that we say in Christianity that we reflect the light of Christ onto others. That's incorrect, honestly. We don't reflect the glory of Christ. We don't reflect. I'm going to give you two reasons why. The first reason that we don't reflect is that there's no penetration in reflection. Let me see if you can hear what I'm saying. There's no penetration in reflection. See, when we reflect something, the light or the imagery is bouncing off of us and being presented to others. So there's no penetration. The light isn't penetrating us and coming through us and affecting us. 
All we're doing is reflecting, and usually most things they reflect is cold on the other side. It's cold on the other side. Whereas if we're a conduit of God's love, his mercy, and his grace, that means that the light of Christ, the light of God, the spirit of the son of God is permeating through our souls and driving through very every essence of our fiber and being and being shown to the world. You see what I mean? We're not reflecting the light of Christ. We're conduits of the light of Christ. We are, yes, Think about that. What Curtis said, we are a light source, not a mirror. I mean, let's go back to Mark, not Mark, Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. I mean, before you got to that whole idea of a city set on a hill, I know we're in the book of Mark, but let's do this here. He says, um... You were, before I got to that, I said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives its light to all in the house. So as we sit here and we, we do this, let the spirit of God, let the image of Christ, if we are Christ bearers, if we're followers of Christ, we're supposed to be walking flashlights, not walking mirrors, because a house of mirrors is very deceptive. A house of mirrors is very deceptive. Jesus heals many he preaches in Galilee. He cleanses a leper. He heals a paralytic. He calls Levi. He questions, you know, again, a question about fasting. We get into chapter three. You know, he's Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, chapter three, a man with a withered hand. Again, he's constantly healing people. And, and these healings and these things in his ministry is quite noticeable, the changes of what happens when Christ walks onto the scene. As followers of Christ, as servants of Christ, so often you probably see in my email tag, if it's not there, forgive me, but I usually will try and have Watson, comma, S-O-C, or Watson Prenier, comma, S-O-C. S-O-C stands for Servant of Christ. So it's not... MD, it's not junior, it's not all the, no, 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 comma, S-O-C, servant of Christ. And we're all, we're all his servants. When we look at, when we look at these, when you look at these uh, passages, because even in chapter two, you start seeing opposition to Christ. As he's, as he's serving you get opposition because the attention seekers, the people who are doing ministry because they, they want to be noticed by the world. And if you're stealing members of their congregation, they get very personal. They get livid. They get angry because ministry for them is about the numbers. It isn't about the lives and souls being saved. 
if we ever get to the point that we think that ministry is ours and it's about the numbers, we're no longer serving God. Remember, David, it wasn't just his sin against Uriah the Hittite and sleeping with Bathsheba. Remember that David even was rebuked because he counted his army. He got confident in his numbers. Well, how do I serve? How do I reach people? How do we, how do we change? The, how do we change the world for the kingdom of God and his glory? One soul at a time. Just because history documents 5,000 here, 4,000 here, 3,000 here, these large numbers of people coming to, to know Christ, why are you aiming for the 5,000s? Aim for the one. When the whole idea of this is that the shepherd uh, goes out, leaves the 99 behind just to save one, I think that's a better example. I think we have better focus on focusing on one, one, one lost sheep rather than hundreds and thousands. We don't need we don't need large stadiums to win people for Christ. I think we've been aiming so high that we the low hanging fruit right in front of us rots out because we're overthinking this and overcomplicating service. <laughs> no other way to think about it. The para, the you know, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, Jesus, mothers and brothers. I, I, I think this is a powerful one because of the fact that, again, service is about God's glory, but it's about God's glory. See, because this is the one that really gets me. Is because many people think I'm going to get married and have kids. But once I get called, that means I can leave my family behind. No. No. <laughs> no. No. That call to service, the call to you serving your spouse and your kids. No. That's not glorifying God. Oh, you got married before the world. Confess that Christ is King and Lord over your life and in your marriage. Then you walk away from it because you're saying ministry or work has called you to more important things. <laughs> Let's move on. <sighs> parable of the sower. You know, the, the parables explained. Chapter four, five, Jesus heals a man with a demon. Jesus rejected Nazareth. Jesus feeds the 5,000. And again, I think that people are so fixated on large numbers as not realizing that sometimes it's just a tithe of those people present. And sometimes a tithe of a tithe of a tithe of a tithe. We're looking at maybe one ten thousandth of the people that are present. You may never see the lives change of the people that God puts in your way. All we're to do is be a vessel. But sometimes we may see that change in our lifetime. If we're truly about serving him, if we're all truly about serving him, all of our activities combine into an avalanche of God's grace, his mercy, and his love, and overwhelming truth that the world should be smothered by his truth and his grace. 
not just by grace, but his truth and grace, his truth, his word and grace. I talk too much. There's so much more that's in here, but I need you to read the Bible for yourself because when you read of Jesus, the servant, you become the servant. We're all his servants. And I pray you do it for his glory. I'm your host, Watson Prunier from Battle for Freedom on Mojo 5 Radio. God bless you. Jesus is Lord, and we are his servants. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.